Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. I'm your host, Stone Payton, and in the studio with me today is my good buddy and co-host, Lee Cantor. How you doing, man? I am doing great. Enjoying Chicago. What about you? I am. I love the food. I love the people. I enjoyed the two-hour nap on the way up. I'm going to enjoy the two-hour nap on the way back. And uh, I can't wait till we schedule another visit. This is a fun place to come. They treat us really well here when we pop up our on-road studio, and we've uh, caught up with some old friends, made some new ones, and uh, this is going to be every bit as much fun as the rest of them, I think. You know it is. All right. We have with us in this segment from a little company some of you may recognize, Accenture. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Miss Ann Benson Bilkfist. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Well, I appreciate you teaching me how to pronounce the last name. <laughs> and from now on, it's just Ann. Uh, and maybe good. we ought to find out uh, title, role, function with Accenture. Uh, what are they uh, paying what, you to do? What there? do they pay me to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, they pay me this month to run the um, our leadership and professional development training programs, um, our corporate functions training programs, and our um, ethics and compliance training programs. So a bunch of stuff all put together. I think it's the all the other stuff that they couldn't figure out where to put director <laughs> position. So now um, we're here to talk about getting the most out of your training dollar. Is that something that has become an issue because of this economic uh, slowdown we've had lately? Is that you're finding training departments having to do more with less? Well, I think it, it it's a number of things. Um, yes, the economic slowdown has impacted... Um, our ability to get people to training, but not because of the dollars, but because our clients are asking for more out of us. Um, and because our clients are asking for more out of us, our people need to be more chargeable. And when mm -hmm. they need to be more chargeable, they can't put their uh, backsides on a plane to travel for training. So we found that we had to do a lot more virtually. Um, we've had to do a lot more on the project with our project teams mm -hmm. um, on project sites. Um, and we've really had to think about what we have to put into, um, into those on-site training programs and what we can do virtually. And over time, what we do virtually is expanding and what we do on-site is shrinking. Oh, so it's noticeable now? It is very noticeable. It's very noticeable. I think at some point we used to have 80% of our training dollars spent on on-site training, and, and I think we're down to like 20 or 30 percent. Now, but the trainer who does virtual, is that the same trainer who used to be on-site, or is that, it, those seem like different skills? It, it is, but what, we've, what Accenture has always done throughout our history is to use our own employees as our trainers. So we don't have a training department full of people who do stand-up training. Mm -hmm. um, our training department does we develop the courses and then it is our employees who teach them for us. So again, chargeability being king, our ability to get both our faculty and our participants out of the classroom and into the marketplace is critical, mm -hmm. right? Because it, it covers both. Right. 
Now, some years ago, back in the day when uh, my hair wasn't quite so gray, Chicago area was a place where people came to get a great deal of, of training early in their careers. That, am I remembering that right? You are remembering that mm-hmm. right, and it still is. Still, that's still the case. It's still the case. We have a or we rent out part of a training center in St. Charles that used to be owned by Anderson. And um, we still use that for a lot of our in-person training for North America, where it's critical to get people together. And as a matter of fact, we just had a couple of courses there um, in the last month. One was our our, uh, managing directors came in for a seminar. So we had 450 managing directors in. Wow. And that's in person. That's no, in not person. Personally. That is in person. And we just had our high-performance senior managers in, four or 500 of those, for an in-person session. So we still use in-person. Because senior s- people, they, they can't do virtual, right? They yeah, they do. don't do virtual very well because they're old like me. <laughs> that, there's a lesson there, I think. There is a lesson there for those of us who don't have Twitter accounts. Um, we So for, for those for those critical audiences where we really have to, um, where w- it, what we need to teach them cannot be taught virtually. It has to be like group um, simulations or things like that. We still bring them together. And actually, people love to come to St. Charles now or to any of our regional training centers because it's one of the few times they can get together. And that in-person has more benefits more than the learning, right? It's the connecting and the relationships exactly. and stuff like that. Exactly. It, it, and I would say, probably say that 20% of it's a learning and 80% of it is the connecting. Mm-hmm. Now, are yeah. you finding that uh, the clients, by and large, are embracing this shift? Uh, I mean, I think you said that the shift was pretty dramatic from uh, live instruction to technology-based. Are they embracing that or they're just they're accepting it or they're or they're out really campaigning for it and is it going to continue to go down that path um we will we will continue to have training sessions in person and and we continue to do things to make those more engaging right or or to do um regional training more engaging so we are starting to think about how we connect classrooms in different countries virtually so okay. you can be in a classroom in Chicago and someone else can be in a classroom in Buenos Aires. So I might have a live experience right now happening and someone may be having a live experience in Buenos Aires, but, and then we're connected D- together. Vi- so we're getting virtually. the best of both worlds. So you get the best of both worlds. Go. So we're, we're doing a lot of stuff like that to be able to connect our people in a different way. Um, we're doing a lot with collaboration and, um, and, and, getting our people to think about how they learn from each other rather than from the guy, the old guy sitting on the stage, right? And, um, and we're finding that that is happening a lot. And our challenge now is to figure out how we, um, how we leverage that, right? How we make that not um, here today and gone tomorrow once it falls off the screen, but how we harvest all the information that we're getting out of that collaboration site and all the the goodness and content we're getting on that collaboration site and getting it into something that's maybe a little bit more formal or a little bit more permanent. So that uh, somebody who wasn't there, didn't participate today, would be able to access it and benefit from it, you know, maybe tomorrow, a month from now, a year right. from now. Right, right. So how are you doing it? 
or is that kind of you're figuring that as we go? We're, we're starting to figure that out. We we are creating more. Um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. it. We call them learning circles or circles, but it's kind of like having a Facebook group that that is very engaged in one topic. Right. Right. So people can engage in that one topic. Right. So that makes it still collaborative, but a smaller group of people that are um, that are working toward that. We're technically we're trying to figure out how to do that harvesting so we don't have to dig through all this stuff. Right. Because it might have been done, like you said, maybe through video, but maybe you would want to transcribe it or you want it to be in an audio format or or different because people could access it in the way that's most beneficial to them. Right, and we're also using hashtags and things like that to ensure that you can search on. So those you can find things. it. So you can it's, find it. Right. Yeah, you've used the word harvest at least twice in this conversation, and as I understand it, Accenture is one of those organizations that has a marvelous reputation for harvesting what they learn mm-hmm. from client engagements mm-hmm. and uh, returning that learning to the organization, mm-hmm. and as a result, building better, stronger people, methodology, rigor discipline. I mean, that's just part of the, I don't know, the the DNA at an Accenture and at this harvesting mentality. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the way we do our work, right? And one of our core values is, that w- is one global network, right? How is it that we learn from each other? And how is it that we leverage what we have done on engagements in the past to inform the engagements of today and tomorrow? So it, harvesting those best practices, getting people to not reinvent the wheel every time we go to a new engagement yeah. does the same thing is so, so important to us. And it used to be that we had um, our, our primary vehicle for getting that was a knowledge exchange, right? So it was, it was relatively static. So you could, you could contribute to the knowledge exchange. It would sit in a SharePoint site, and it would sit there forever, right? Now, with our collaboration, it's like a Facebook page. So we have every day just a running view of, every, of, of everybody's questions that are going on. So it, it is. If it's top of screen, it's awesome. If it falls off the screen, much like Facebook, how do you find a post Right. Like well, you don't even know that it's ago. like once it leaves the screen, you don't even know what it was. Exactly. So you couldn't find it if you wanted to. Exactly. That's why tagging the content so important. But well, like preparing still... for this interview, like if we really knew what we were doing on this stuff, and we knew a week ago that we were going to have a chance to have a conversation uh, with Ann, then and then maybe we had done a conversation with someone else in the Accenture mm-hmm. environment, or just in the consulting arena, or Chicago, whatever the the. How much better prepared might you be to have that conversation if you can go in and search? Exactly. And so now it's all much more searchable, getting more so every day. We're, we're trying to make it more searchable, right? But, it, it, but it, it's, it's like searching Facebook, right? It's a tough thing to do. But we are, the, the company is, has algorithms now in place where we can start doing more of that. But, you know, the technology is relatively new, right? So it's, it's kind of like so now, now it was hard to get people into it. So when you have 10 or 20 or 40 or 100 people using your collaboration model, it's not a big deal to grab the content out of it. Right. But when you have 280,000 people using that, all of a sudden you have a lot more content than you kind of have ever had before and you don't really know what to do with it. But is it possible to, um, because you have that flow of information and data, to know what's important? 
like our where you can kind of see like wow there's lots of people talking about this hashtag does that bubble up higher so that is more important you it, know? It, yes it it does if if you because that way maybe it stays on the front page more because more people are talking about it so therefore it must be more important right it yes so we 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 have the the parameter set up so we can do that um i think the key though ends up being when you have 280,000 people contributing, some of what's contributed is garbage, right. and some of what's contributed is awesome. And right. you don't want too much weight on just the people that like to contribute. Maybe that must may not be the most important thing. Exactly, right. exactly. Um, Joe in Chicago wants to tell everybody how great the restaurants are that he goes to, right? And um, and puts a lot of posts out there that says, "Here are the coolest places that I've been right. to. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's but another one." That's not going to move the needle in my business. But that's <laughs> not going to move the needle on the business. So the other thing that we're starting to do a lot more of is this notion of curation, mm-hmm. right? How do you curate the content so that you get the best of the best out of it? And my best, what I want, may be different than yours. Exactly. Exactly. But what the business wants and what the business needs in order to drive its strategy and where it wants to be is we all know what that is or mm-hmm. we need to know what that is. And then you curate knowledge towards that. Goal. Toward that. Right. You can curate your own knowledge by setting up the right filters. Sure. But the organiz- curating that organizational knowledge um, is really, really important. Well, I would think to some degree as a client-facing consultant that I would be incented to participate in a, in a very strong way in, in this collaboration model because what I'm envisioning is, okay, now that engagement's coming to an end. I, I want to keep my utilization to a reasonable level. And uh, I know that the change lead on that big project out in Texas is is looking for uh, you know what I do, mm-hmm. and they go look in this in this collaboration knowledge network thingy Bobby that you've got, and they see that Stone has contributed two links to three articles. That, I mean, that's not going to be good, right? Right? <laughs> They're going to want to see that I've harvested information right. from engagements, yes, right? And and that you blog on it, and that you have yeah. that you are engaged in that in the work that you do, and that you contribute. And those statistics sit on our we call them the people pages. Oh, wow! So it's like a tra- it's like a Facebook homepage. I was going to say like a baseball trading card. Exactly. <laughs> it's like your batting average. So <laughs> the stats it, are right. There. The stats are right wow. there. So yeah, you can track all that stuff. Now, as times, you know, it's the ebb and flow. It's just, it's just life and, and business. And as things are on an upswing, will Accenture tend to staff up? Uh, or because we have all these other tools and things happening, are they not necessarily going to staff up just because, you know, the economy looks like things are going a little better this year and that? Well, um, we never staff down in our training organization. Oh, wow. With the economic downturn. Huh. Um, because we we continue to grow, the organization continues to grow by leaps and bounds. So, we were two hundred and twenty thousand people two or three three or four years ago, and now we're at two hundred eighty thousand people. It's like booze and liquor. It's like booze good and times liquor. are bad. You need Accenture. Is that... Exactly. <laughs> I realize your marketing department probably is not going to approve that part of the marketing message, but uh, no, there's some. No, probably not. You need it either way, right? We need things to... are going well. Well, exactly, because people, when people are not chargeable, they have they need to get up on learning new skills. 
the technology is moving so fast, right? So as this downturn happened, think about all the things that happened in technology, right? Cloud computing took off. This whole notion of digital took off. The it's like that continues. So if we if we're a technology company that wants to be on the leading edge, whether it's good times or bad, we have to continue to develop our people to be able to to deliver those things to our clients. Right, and you have to be always ahead of the client. Exactly. So you're forced to be a learning company. Exactly. Now, when you're working globally and you were mentioning, you know, having these different events simultaneously and globally and you have groups of people, how does that, have you been part of that? I have not. We just did our first pilot um, two weeks ago with one of the, with our supervisory skills program. Mm -hmm. Um, But the pilots were in, um, I think there was one, I think it was in India. So, no, I didn't see it live, but one of my teammates did. So now... I would imagine that has its own. I would. I would be interesting just to see how that flows. It would be really interesting to see how that flows. So you haven't. You didn't. You weren't I, it, didn't participate. As far as I know, it went well, but uh-huh. I haven't seen any. But I would expect there's going to be more of that. Not oh, less, absolutely. Right? There's going to be more of that. There's going to be much more of that. So how are content decisions made? Like, uh, what is the process for deciding what kind of. Uh, training programs and, and that kind of thing that you're going to develop for next year and the year after is it is it uh, stuff that you're that you're collecting from the rank and file consultant out there is it senior level execs telling you what they want or is it both well there there are issues with senior level executives telling us what they want because it's not necessarily or not generally what they need <laughs> <laughs> the rank and file aren't the best sources of information. What we really try to do is anchor what it is we do to the business, to the business strategy. So if a business leader has a business strategy, we look at that strategy and we ask, how are you going to get there? What do you need to have? And what skills do you need in your people to be able to deliver on that strategy in the time frame you want to deliver on that strategy? Then tell us what you're being measured on. And if we have a strategy and we know what they're being measured on, we can determine what kind of skills building people need to have. And it's not necessarily training. It might be apprenticeship programs. It might be um, collaborations, like communities of practice. It might be a lot of other stuff. So training is might just be a really small component of that. But learning and development has a seat at that table to determine what is the best path to go down? Absolutely. Absolutely. For each of the areas that we support, we absolutely have a seat at that table because we cannot deliver training that drives the business unless we know what the bit, where the business is going. And you have to have a say to say, you know what, that's not going to work like that. You it's, might think it sounds good in your head, but in reality, it's not going to play out because this is what you know about learning. Right. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with our sponsors saying, you know, I'm the learning professional, and you screw in computer systems. You do your job well, and I'll do my job well. Right. Right? I mean, it's just it comes down to that a lot of times. Well, I think it's great that you are, are willing and able to have that kind of conversation, but uh, we just had a, a conversation with a gentleman who has a, an executive coaching practice aimed at helping uh, women professionals be more confident. And it's... 
you've got to have a great deal of confidence in your own ability and the relationship with senior level executive to look that executive in the eye and sometimes tell them what necessarily they don't want to hear, right? You do, but we grow up doing that, right? Yeah. Because all the way through our careers, we've been told, I have a great idea for a course. And if we implement that course, we're going to get nowhere. And implementing a course is not a cheap proposition, whether it's instructor-led or it's it's um, computer-based, right? You, if it's instructor-led, you have to fly people in. You take them out of the marketplace, right? There's a lot of opportunity cost involved. There's a cost of development. If it's virtual, there's a cost of development and communications and all that stuff. And if it doesn't drive to a business outcome, it's just stupid training, right? And, it's and, just a waste of everybody's time. So we say it's a waste of everybody's time. We're not doing it. Well, good for you because i got to believe that not everyone is – is willing to have that conversation, but you've just you've learned over time that you're, everybody's better off you the 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 sponsor everybody if you just shoot straight with them right from the beginning. Absolutely. Now, have you always done this kind of work, or how did you find yourself in this in this field? <laughs> um, I, with uh, due respect to all the teachers out there, I have an education undergraduate, and I got into the classroom on day one and said, "This is for the birds. I hate it." Like that classroom with wow. kids? Like a classroom with kids. So it's different than a classroom for adults? It's different. Um, <laughs> it depends on the behavior you're talking about. Yes, it's different. So, um, and I decided I, I like business. Actually, a friend of mine from IBM said, we need stand-up trainers at IBM, but you have to know something about business. So I went back and got an MBA, and Anderson hired me with an MBA um, and an education background to help them write business training. And 30 years later, I'm sitting here. <laughs> what a great way to start. So what's next, you think, for, for Accenture, but for you personally? What's on, you know, like the next, I don't know, 12, 18 months, where are you going to be putting most of your energy? Think? Well, I think that next 12 or 18 months, we are going to be putting a lot of energy in, especially professional skills. When the environment gets tough when the economic environment gets tough professional skills are the first thing that comes off the list of what people want to develop mm. right i want to build skills that get me chargeable so in the next 18 months what we're trying to do is figure out how to get leadership and professional development on the top of people's agendas for this is what i need to succeed at accenture and this is what i need to um for my own to develop my own career so sorting through how it is we get these courses and behaviors front and center is, is going to be important. And it's interesting because it, it has more to do with how we integrate with all the HR systems that we have than it is communicating to people on what they need to know. So if I get dinged on my performance evaluation, wouldn't it be really cool to have a button on your performance evaluation that says click here to learn how to build out these skills. Oh, that would be way cool. Right, so it's, it, it's stuff like that that we're trying to figure out how, right. how we get what we're doing front and center in our employees' minds. So what are some of the skill gaps that you see that uh, some people get, have? Well, we, you know, we always see skill gaps in, in things like putting together presentations and communicating with our clients. Um, executive presence is always an issue because clients are pretty scary. Um, and So how do you attack, say, that um, the client interaction? Executive presence. We, right. we, we do put people, our managing directors, in 
classroom situations with retired CEOs oh, wow. with a case That's and tell cool. them to play. And um, they get very honest feedback from these chief executives on what they did right and what they did wrong. So now, okay, let, let's play that out. So you have somebody that has this issue. So is this an individual intervention where you, this one person is with the CEO and they're going to role play uh, a case? Or, or is this something that you take that and you go, now we're going to share this with everybody to see how this works? They are, they are group session, they're, they're group programs. Our managing director school, which all managing directors have to go to, have that component in the school. So every year we send 400 people through this. In groups of how many? In groups of, um, it depends on, eight, usually eight or ten. Mm -hmm. um, and they role play with a group, with a chief strategy officer, a CEO, and a chief procurement officer. So they, they get the gamut of the people that right, they would so have to it's meet. It's like real bullets are flying. Real bullets are <laughs> flying. Right? Yeah. And then, so then they take this and then they have, like, is it video so I can go and watch this and I can see where there's problems? Or how is the information given back to me and shared with others so they can learn from that as well? I don't know if it is debriefed with video. I think it's debriefed just um, in a group setting. So mm -hmm. the team learns from it. And then there's a group, a, a classroom debrief at the end of the day with here's what went right and here's what went wrong. So everybody can learn from it. But we do a lot of those simulations. So people get right into it and so it's not hypothetical anymore it's not hypothetical no absolutely not i mean it's easy to put your butt in a seat in a classroom and have your iphone and you know fooling around with it when they're telling you how important it is to be honest with your client right it's much more difficult when you sit across the table from them and say hi <laughs> my name's ann glad to meet you well and that that, that takes the same uh level of knowledge and moxie to have that conversation with a client like we were talking earlier yeah, to be, have that same level of conversation with a sponsor. Uh, before we wrap, uh, when, you, when, a, when a skill gap is identified that you don't have an immediate training and development solution mm -hmm. for, I mean, you guys have the resources and apparently have the sponsorship. They just they say, and go build us one or mm -hmm. go find us one or, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean that's how important all this is, right? If they if it gets identified as a gap and you don't have an immediate, you just you're, go get go get it for us. We yeah? look at how it fits into the rest of our priorities, and if it's a real gap, yeah, go get it. Like we just started our um, a big digital business, a, a, not just start. We 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 now have created a standalone digital business within Accenture, another growth platform like technology, and basically we had very little digital training, and now it's like go build it. And we're building it. So once Absolutely. it's identified, then it's, you know, pedal to the ground. Absolutely. Make it happen. Because it's business imperative. They, because it's business They wouldn't imperative. call it a skill gap unless it had something to do with. Right. And it's high priority and it's mission critical. Yeah, absolutely. I have 113 other questions, but we've got to wrap up this segment. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're coming back to Chicago, and we're going to continue this conversation maybe. This is this is fascinating to me. It's, it's a real pleasure to visit with you. Your, uh, your depth and and Brett and your passion for what you're doing really comes through and I this is this is a fun conversation. Well, thank you. I I would be happy to come back. Fantastic. All right, until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. 
Learn more at training-pros.com. 